Nehemiah chapter 8, at verse 9, this is God's holy word. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. As I mentioned, beloved, last time we were considering from this chapter the word of God experienced, and we saw the sorrow for sin uh, that the people had as they were convicted under hearing the law of God in the word of God. Uh, Seriousness about life and death before the face of God, seriousness about sin are right and legitimate aspects of Christian thinking and experience. And we heard a few quotations from history. Matthew Henry, even sorrow for sin must not hinder our joy in the Lord, but rather lead us to it and prepare us for it. Even sorrow for sin must not grow so excessive as to hinder our joy in God and our cheerfulness in his service. So yes, there is conviction, there's mourning that is appropriate in the gospel, but it is not exclusive. It's not the final word. Weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Robert Murray McShane, who was so mature in the faith, is a pastor who died at the age of 29, and yet was so mature in his religious experience that he blessed, he's been blessing the church for generations. He said, clear conviction of sin is the only true origin of dependence on another's righteousness. We will never look away from ourselves until we despair of ourselves and mourn over our own sin. And McShane goes on, And therefore, strange to say, conviction of sin is the origin of a Christian's peace and cheerfulness. Because a Christian is someone who just doesn't know his or her sin but who knows the Savior. Joy. Joy is where Nehemiah chapter 8 takes us. It's where Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites encourage the people to go in light of the good news of the forgiveness of sin for the people of God. The kingdom of heaven is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace. Righteousness from Christ, peace with God, and joy in the Holy Spirit. David prayed, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. 
And Nehemiah goes here beyond the joy of the forgiveness of God uh, to a, a, a very practically important and helpful truth in Nehemiah 8, verse 10. Joy has a great practical benefit for the people of God. Here's a verse to memorize. If you haven't memorized it already, it's not hard to memorize. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Our call to worship from 1 Chronicles 16, strength and joy are in his house. The connection of strength to joy is an immensely practical, helpful, and I hope encouraging truth that we see here taught in God's Word. The original Hebrew is even more emphatic. The joy of the Lord, it is your strength. Or this is your strength. As if there were no other source of strength but this. Christian joy. That word strength, it means a place of safety and protection. A refuge. A stronghold. It's the same word that's used in 2 Samuel 22.33. God is my strong fortress. It's used of God himself, our refuge, our strong fortress. This is what joy is to be in a Christian life. Joy is my fortress. Joy is my refuge. Joy is my protection. Joy is my place of safety. Have you ever thought of joy that way? It's amazing. The blessing of joy in the Christian life. It is strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the people in Nehemiah's day needed strength. You remember, in Nehemiah 8, strength to overcome sin. Strength to fight the good, of fight, the good fight of faith against sin. Strength to live lives of glad obedience. They needed strength not to give up the building of the temple and then the walls and the gates as we've been reading about. Even though the work was great and the labor was long, even though many enemies surrounded them, trying to discourage them and trip them up, even though they had opposition and discouragement, even from within the people of God, remember how the nobles had been oppressing them, There were difficult circumstances in their lives of not having enough to eat. They could have the strength to continue if they knew and continued in joy, the joy of the Lord. The walls they were building were a protection, a refuge. But they were also really a picture and a pointer to a greater refuge. Gospel joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what Nehemiah and Ezra told the people. And that's what, as a Christian, you and I need to take to ourselves and make it personal 
And there's every warrant for a Christian to change the pronoun as we personally live out and experience the word of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And to be able to say that, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That was the heart of the message that day to the people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that is the message for us this afternoon. Many Christians probably, I would suspect, think of it the other way around. They think to themselves, when I get strong in the Lord, then I will be able to rejoice. That's not what it says. It's the opposite. Rejoice in the Lord, and you'll be strong. Rejoice in the Lord, and you'll be strong. This isn't the ordinary word, the usual, more common Hebrew word for joy here either. This word for joy is only used one other place in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16, 27. That was our call to worship. Strength and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. This combination of strength and joy in the presence of God in light of the gospel of God. Strength and joy are combined. If your eyes are open to it, it's like when you buy a red car, you see lots of red cars. Now, From now on, I hope after this afternoon, you read your Bibles, you'll see strength and joy brought together time and time again. Psalm 21.1, the king, we sang it, the king shall have joy in your strength. O Lord, and in your salvation, how greatly he shall rejoice. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy when, and with my song, I praise him. Psalm 81, sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. And so tonight's, this afternoon's message is entitled, The Strength of Joy. The Strength of Joy. When I was a teenager, I helped a man in our congregation build his house. And I learned a lot from him. He was a very good craftsman. And one thing he told me that I'll never forget, when he hammered in a nail as we were framing his house, He would never drive in a nail when we were doing the framing. He would never drive in a nail at right angles to the wood that he was hammering. That's the way that I think most people do it. It's the way that I I had always done it. He would consider the load, the way that the pieces, the two-by-fours or the two-by-sixes were coming together. He would consider the load, and he would always hammer the nail in at a slight angle opposite to the force of the load. And he would say to me in his, I won't do the Dutch accent, but he would say to me so memorably in my mind, Matt, there is tremendous strength in the angle. He said it more like ankle. So when he first said it, I, there's tremendous strength in the ankle, he would say. There is tremendous strength in the angle. And if you're a builder, if you know, you understand what he was saying. Beloved. There is tremendous strength in joy. 
And I'm preaching to myself as much as to anyone else. There is tremendous strength in joy. And when I'm weary, and when you're weary, and you feel that I have, you have little strength, we need to ask ourselves this question. How's it going with my joy? Where's my joy-o-meter at? Where's my joy level at? And why is it there? Why is it down here? What am I not remembering? What am I not thinking about? What am I not deliberately calling to mind? What, I am, what am I not determinedly setting my eyes upon? That my joy has been diminished. And so now I feel that I'm without strength. We need strength for the Christian life. And it's found in joy. And again, as I, as I mentioned, this Christian joy, it, it's not just that, you know, plastered on smile and the giddiness that, that sometimes, you know, we, we see even in Christian circles. It's not to be completely equated with that or happiness that just comes from circumstances. I think we really need to see that the, the heart of joy is, is how it comes about here in Nehemiah 8. The conviction of sin and the revelation and the remembering of a Savior and the forgiveness of sin that we have. It's the joy that remembers Jesus. It's the joy that remembers that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in him, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he'll never leave us or forsake us, that we have been forgiven and declared righteous in the sight of God, we're at peace with God, we're reconciled to God, and he's reconciled to us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And you go on and on and on, and the promises that are rooted in the gospel, that's what brings joy. A joy that lifts us above our own sin and the sin of others. A joy that lifts us above the changing circumstances of this life, the battles, the struggles, whatever it is, and has our thoughts on things above where Christ is, raised, ascended, seated at the right hand of God, and coming again for his people in the new heavens and the new earth, that's where joy is found. And the more I think about those things, the more joyful I am. That's where joy is found. And joy, the joy of the Lord, is your strength. And again, we need strength for the Christian life. Joy will be strength for worship. I took some time. I just did it in one English translation. I forget now how many times the word joy is mentioned. I didn't even do rejoice. I just did joy. It's over 200 times, I think. I went through them and saying, well, what, what is joy connected to in the Word of God? And how is it connected to strength? We need strength for worship. We need strength for worship. Joy will bring strength for worship. Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. 
that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will praise you. In heaven, we will worship without any impediment or restraint or reservation. But we need strength for worship in this life. It's part of the battle. And when we need strength for worship, we should remember joy. You clothe me with joy that I may sing your praises and not be silent. There is strength for worship in joy. There is strength for commitment, Christian commitment. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. What was it that enabled him to see everything else in his life in proper perspective so that he would be wholeheartedly committed to the kingdom of God? It was joy. He found the pearl of great price, this treasure hidden in a field. And he was so joyful, he sold all he had to purchase that field. It's commitment. It's strength for commitment. Strength for obedience. Psalm 19, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Joy is connected to obedience. One writer said, holy joy will be oil to the wheels of your obedience. We need strength against temptation. The devil loves to sail with the wind of discouragement. He will kick you when you're down. And when we're discouraged, downhearted, we can easily give in to temptation. But when we're joyful in the Lord, it's a great protection and safety against temptation and sin. That's just the other side of obedience. The strength to do what is right and the strength to say no to what is wrong. Strength against anxiety. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4 verse 4. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I didn't think enough about that. Rejoicing in gentleness. How joy in the Lord allows you, there may be the strength for self-control there. The strength of self-control. If we're rejoicing in the Lord, it will enable us and strengthen us to be more gentle with those around us. That's a thought worth pursuing. But I was thinking of the verse that follows. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Is your strength being sapped by sinful anxiety and worry? Then go back to think about joy. 
And again, in all these situations, we pray. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And so we pray for joy, for strength against sinful anxiety. Strength for evangelism. Or maybe strength even in evangelism. That our evangelism will be strengthened, our witness will be strengthened as we grow in joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The joy of thinking about the fruit that will come, that God will bring through our witness in the world. Matthew 28, 8. The women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And what did they do? They ran to tell the disciples. You have great news, good news of great joy. The more joyful we are in the Lord and in the gospel, the more apt we are to tell someone else about it. And joy adorns the gospel. As you speak words of the gospel to someone, how might it come across, not just with the tone of your voice or your face, it might include that, but just the whole tenor of your life. Do you go to someone, do you go to your neighbors, and the whole tenor of your life is something like this. I bring you good news of great joy. I think that's the way it comes across sometimes. I feel that's the way it's come for me sometimes, I think. You're really adorning the gospel by the way that you're living? Where's the joy? You're like, strength for evangelism. Strength in our witness and evangelism. Spurgeon just had a little saying that I've never forgotten. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Strength for evangelism. Strength for giving. Strength for giving. 2 Corinthians 8.2 In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Joy was the strength of their giving. They so rejoiced in the Lord that they were happy to give sacrificially to other people. What's interesting there is joy was combined with their extreme poverty. Isn't that something? They knew what it was to be without. And so they were all the more eager to be generous. Isn't that profound? We're just focusing on the joy. But joy forgiving, out of their overflowing joy, it welled up in rich generosity. The more joyful you are in the Lord, the more generous you will be to others. Strength forgiving. Strength for prayer. Strength for prayer. Philippians 1.4, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. Paul always had joy mingled in his prayers for the church. And those were, those were sometimes hard prayers that he was praying for the church. If you read the letters and all that was going on, all that he's dealing with, and yet joy was mingled 
as he interceded for the saints. Strength for prayer. Strength for ministry. Whatever that ministry may be. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your, uh, obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Ministry that is no, of no benefit to the people is a joyless ministry, a burden. If we want to have effective ministry to others, it must be mingled with joy. It will bring strength in ministry. And you maybe have already thought of this next one. I hope you have. Strength for perseverance. Strength for perseverance. James 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Joy and perseverance through trial. And then, of course, Hebrews 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What an example we have in our Lord. To face the cross, to bear the cross, because you have a cross, not the cross, that only, was only borne by him, but you pick up your cross daily and you follow him. How do you persevere under that cross? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross? Joy brings strength for perseverance. Beloved, do you feel weak? Are you weak? Do you sense a weakness in your Christian walk? Nehemiah 8.10 encourages you to trace these issues back to joy. One preacher said, Christian work is of such a sort, such a kind, that the most dangerous opponent to it is simple despondency, simple sorrow. Christian work is of such a nature that the most dangerous opponent to it is a lack of joy. Another writer said, remember, you are weak unless you are glad. And you are not glad unless your faith and hope are fixed on Christ. Unless you are working from and not toward a sense of pardon. You're forgiven. Rejoice and be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The end of Romans, Paul said, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. In Christ, joy comes through meditating on the word and the promises of God. Psalm 104, may my meditation be sweet to him and I will be glad in the Lord. It comes through prayer. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We need strength. And so we need joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In holy joy, said one preacher, there is strength against your enemies and strength for your work. Believer, there is yet much to be done by you. There is a world that needs to be conquered and a devil that needs to be baffled, a flesh that needs to be overcome. There are yet a people that need to be converted, a world that needs to hear of Christ. How will you accomplish all this without being cheerful and joyful? A melancholy person is a breeding ground for all sorts of sins. The flesh, the world, and the devil have great power and advantage over such a person. Such people will very readily neglect grace received. They act as if present grace does not exist, and thus a melancholy person will be unfit to offer resistance. There is strength in joy, however, and a joyful person can avoid many assaults and turn them away. A joyful person will readily despise the things of this world. Holy living is a delight to him, and his joy will make it attractive. Yes, it will make him attractive. He will be suited to woo others, comfort those who mourn, and stir up those who are lax. Therefore, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you that are upright in heart. Psalm 32, 11. Rejoice in the Lord. We don't have time to go on to look at where Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drink and send some to those who have nothing prepared. Rejoice in the Lord. And then let me just say this, do what you can to send some to those who have none prepared. Send some joy. Send some joy this afternoon, this week. Beloved, today is a sacred day. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then all the people went away, says in verse 12, to celebrate with great joy, because now they understood the words that had been made known to them.